Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about a concept that you've probably heard before or thought about or probably have experienced, which is the concept of overtraining. But I want to add just a little bit more texture to this conversation and talk about overtraining in terms of how that relates to undertraining. So just so we're all on the same page, what I mean when I talk about overtraining is overshooting the mark of physical and neurological input that your body can handle, making your training time and inputs pretty impotent because you're at capacity. There's no more room in the end kind of thing. Uh, And this can be due to training frequency or training intensity. So what do I mean by undertraining? not creating enough stimulus for adaptations to take place, making your training time impotent. How do these two sound similar? They are. They both result in the same thing. So whether you're overshooting the mark and your cup is full and any other training inputs that you try to fit into your body and your brain, it's just not going to work. Same outcome when we're undertraining. So when I first learned about being overtrained, I took it as such a compliment. I was training for this aerial silks act, which was also acting as my audition for this circus troupe. And it meant so much to me. I was training super hard. I did a lot of things that I wouldn't recommend. But I remember coming to rehearsal one day and being like, I can like barely lift myself. And my coach was like, you're probably overtrained. And that was the first time that I heard that word. And I remember being like, oh my God, you mean I'm working too hard? I thought that I was not working hard enough. Like I was really worried about this act, about this audition. And it really meant a lot to me. And then my coach said I was overtrained. And I was like, oh. So they know, like they know how hard I'm working on this piece and how much energy I'm putting into it, like physically and neurologically. But if you think about what the result of me overtraining was, is that I was not liking what I was seeing. I didn't feel strong. I didn't feel flexible. I could barely get up on the apparatus and I was undertrained, like I was undertrained because I was overtrained. So I just want to compare these two concepts to help you think about them as kind of two sides of the same coin, because a lot of times in our society, we value burnout, which is not a novel concept at this point. You know, we see all sorts of articles and things talking about this, where, you know, we wear our burnout like a badge of honor and how that is like we're collectively as a society becoming more aware of this and how that's not helpful uh, to you or the whole. So I want you to think about how you react to knowing that you're overtrained because I think that my experience with this is pretty common. Uh, again, like when I first heard that, I was like stoked that I was overtrained and I was like, okay, well that's good because like better to overshoot the mark than undershoot it. Right. 
And again, I just want you to think about like, we've all felt that feeling of trying to lift ourselves onto our apparatus or showing up to the studio, whatever kind of movement art that you do, and just feeling so heavy and like so overstimulated because you are. And that's essentially the very physical, uh, the very physical turnout of what am I trying to say? The very physical uh, symptom of being overtrained. And the other thing that happens of more like an emotional symptom of being overtrained is when you're not looking forward to your training. So of course, there's all days when we drag ourselves to the studio or to the gym or to the mat, whatever thing you're training that day, and you just don't want to be there, but you have to check the box for, you know, creating enough training frequency to stimulate change. Uh, We've all had that. But if it's happening to you more than a third of the time, you might want to look at how much you're actually training. Uh, Again, I'm using the word much in terms of both frequency and intensity. And I'll talk a little bit more about exactly what I mean by that in just a little bit. But those are just a couple of things to think about. How do I feel? Like, am I feeling really heavy and burnt out more than a third of the time? Or, and, or am I feeling like I'm really dragging myself and I'm not excited to train more than a third of the time? Because we think about the rule of thirds, this is not my original idea, uh, that you're going to probably feel a little crappy most of the time. You're probably going to feel okay most of the time. And you're probably going to feel awesome. Or sorry, I think I misspoke. You're going to feel pretty crappy a third of the time. (laughs) Okay, a third of the time. And pretty fabulous a third of the time. If your goal and your training intensities and frequencies are appropriate for you. So if you're feeling crappy more than a third of the time, rethink your intensities and frequencies conversely if you're feeling good all the time like if you are never uh feeling super fatigued there wasn't one training session that you feel like you had to drag yourself to that could potentially be something to look into in terms of have i chosen enough uh a goal that is challenging enough for me in terms of making progress um and i'm not saying that we don't want to feel excited to train and feel good in our bodies and all that stuff. Of course, that's all desirable and not something to be avoided. But if things have been feeling like really breezy for a while, maybe time to rethink some stuff. So uh, a good guideline besides thinking about the rule of thirds and looking at our training frequency, which is just how often we're training. This is how many days a week are we checking the box of training? And I usually uh, conglomerate a training session into about 90 minutes. So if you're doing like three hours, that's two training sessions in my mind, in this, uh, in this guideline that I'm giving you. That's how I think about it. So... When you're setting up your training program and thinking about how often you want to train, because again, if we're training too often, we're putting ourselves at risk for overshooting the mark. Uh, But I usually recommend picking two focuses 
ideally that complement each other and choosing to train those two to three times a week. Uh, this is a really general guideline. There's kind of a different set of rules for like off season and performing and all of that different type of stuff. But this is a very, very general suggestion. Picking two things. So say you're picking, uh, working on, let's say you're a pole dancer and you want to work on flexibility tricks. So, okay, let's have you go to the studio twice a week for flexibility trick training. Choose an instructor that focuses on teaching whatever it is that you want to focus on. Because we have so many now and we have the ability to do that, especially with training online. And it's just, it's such a great way to get a little bit of a better grip and control over what you're training. So we've got those two studio days. And again, this is just an example. And then let's do three lifts to bolster that flexibility time or two lifts and one flexibility session, all kind of like with the flexibility goal. So that's five training sessions. Uh, maybe we want to do something like for fun slash maintenance. So if you're somebody who's like, I've got this Monday choreography class that I absolutely cannot miss because I'm addicted to it, keep doing that. But just know that it's not going to be your main focus. Uh, running is another one that tends to be like this for people. Like people just like to run. I personally don't. Uh, but if I'm putting running in like maintenance mode for myself, I put it in once a week. So you have kind of, that's six days. So we've got like kind of a flex day. Uh, and by that, I mean a flexible day, not a flexibility day, like a free choice day where we can go to that choreography class or do whatever else it is that we've got in maintenance mode. And then we're focusing on our flexibility tricks in the studio twice a week. And then we've got three other training sessions centered around our flexibility, whether you're weightlifting for flexibility, which yes, that is a thing, uh, or doing some sort of contortion practice. Then we've got, in this example, three of those days. Uh, and all of that blends together really nicely to create a singular goal that I think most people would be pretty happy with. Uh, and then you commit to it. Once you decide your training frequencies, we talked about the eight-week training blocks in the episode previous to this. Commit to it for a minimum of eight weeks and just keep doing it until you plateau with that thing because, yes, plateaus are a good thing. It means you adapted to whatever it was you were trying to get your body to do. So once you've plateaued with that, then you progress what you're doing or put what you've been doing in maintenance mode and move on to the next thing. So that's the key last step to this is making sure that you commit to a period of time that's actually going to create physiological change in your body. Changes you can see and feel. Uh, because sometimes we get on these training schedules and we're like, okay, it's been a few weeks. Cool, cool. Time to move on. No, gotta stick with it. Uh, and again, use that rule, rule of thirds to check in with uh, if your intensities are appropriate for you. On the intensity note, um, what I mean when I'm talking about intensity is in terms of lifting, how close to failure are you lifting? Going to failure is not a bad thing. Uh, it's a really great intensity to work at to create changes in your tissues. Uh, but not ideal if your main focus 
is rehearsal, skill acquisition, stuff like that, because you're going to be fried, you know, Um, and we do want to be working at intensities that are creating enough stimulation for our body to create change, but we don't want to be taking away from whatever our main focus is. So when people are focused on skill work or rehearsals or like it's getting close to competition time, we scale way back on intensity so that you can show up for a focused training session or a focused rehearsal or be as fresh and ready as possible to be on stage uh, if we're talking about a performance or a competition or something like that. So we don't want to be lifting close to failure because we want to use that neurological drive that would would have been soaked up by going to failure for your insert performance type here. Um, and that's what I mean by intensity when I'm talking about skill work is because it is possible, like I said, like the example of the choreography class, to go to the studio and just have like a check-in day or a for fun day, like a low intensity day. Um, It's hard though to measure skill work and rehearsal and stuff like that in terms of failure uh, because that doesn't really exist. Like we're not going to like do a certain move to failure. That's like a very hard thing to measure. Uh, But so I think about those sessions and intensity in terms of more of neurological drive, like how focused are we, like how much brain capacity are we taking up to like do this really freaking well. So it's more of like a quality thing over like quantifying how many reps till failure kind of thing. So um, this also can be thought about in terms of how far-reaching am I training in terms of my skill level? So a class that is comprised of a lot of moves or choreo or combos that is a little bit further out of your reach, like you're doing it as a challenge, higher intensity. And if that's your focus, go to those classes, like be pushed, be challenged, like use those tough instructors to push you. But You don't need to be going super freaking hard in the gym during those times because then we start to get that issue of like the cup is filling up and we don't have enough space in the metaphorical cup that is our body to hold all of these different things that are being poured into it. And we end up just doing a lot of things mediocrely, with with mediocrity is what I mean. Uh, And we spread ourselves thin. So... Hopefully that helps you get your hooks into a couple of different ways to think about this uh, and make sure that you're training in a way that is actually creating change because change makes people happy. (laughs) Uh, And that can bring a lot more meaning to our movement and our training sessions. And again, I know that overtraining gets talked about a lot in terms of like, oh my gosh, like this person trains so hard. They care so much. Um, they're overtrained. You know, I definitely, definitely felt that way. Like, I can remember that interaction with my coach like it was this morning. And I was so proud. Uh, but in reality, overtraining can lead to undertraining. 
when we're going too hard or too often in one area and it's not allowing us to progress in the ways that are meaningful to us. And a lot of people wonder why. They're like, I'm trying so hard. What's going on? Maybe you're trying just a little bit too hard and we need to scale it back just a little bit. So that's my piece on overtraining. Let me know what questions you have. I hope this was helpful for you. Uh, Again, this is a very new podcast, so let me know if there are any topics that you really want to hear me chat about, or if there's anyone that you have in mind for me to bring on as a guest. I would love all of your suggestions uh, because I'm just starting out, and this is a very casual endeavor at this point in time for me, so hit me with all the things that would be helpful for you. I'm here to serve. (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining me for this one. I will see you in the next episode.